Thank you for joining us today as we continue our 11-week study through the book of Proverbs. As you've been reading in Proverbs, I trust that you found some real jewels to remember. So let me encourage you to memorize those verses that really speak to you, whether it's that they challenge you or encourage you or scold you. Hide God's word within you so that he has more ways that he can speak to you in the coming days. Now, as a reminder, we have uh, these first nine chapters of Proverbs are uh, teaching about wisdom. In essence, it's a real preface to all of the Proverbs that are going to begin in chapter 10. The first nine chapters are an attempt by Solomon, the writer, to convince us to read the book and explain to us why wisdom is so valuable. So today's lesson is Proverbs 8 and 9, and it's our sixth week in Proverbs. Let me ask you, you all, most of you, when you were growing up, you played a game called Tug of War. And in Tug of War, there were two sides, and uh, they stretched a large rope between them, and each side would try to pull the other one over across a middle dividing line, and thereby win. And we're going to see here in chapters 8 and 9, Solomon set up something of a tug of war between wisdom and foolishness, and they're vying for the hearts of men and the sons of men. And so keep that in mind, the struggle of who is the prevailing, which is the winning, which is the best side to be on as we go through, through this passage. Solomon stops speaking of wise things to his sons or pupils, and in chapter 8, he makes wisdom into a person. He personifies her, and he represents her as personally addressing not just his own family, not just the Jewish nation, but even the whole of mankind. The reason he depicts wisdom as a woman here is to contrast her with the prostitute or adulteress who has uh, come to take possession of young people, and it's, she is talked about in chapter 7 particularly. So wisdom is personified as woman in chapter 8 to be in contrast to the woman in chapter 7. And again, this is a type of Jewish poetry where there's two contrasts set up, um, two arguments. The evil woman has a rival who offers real and lasting pleasures, pleasures which lead the life. And chapter 8 is a comprehensive summary of all the wisdom that Solomon is imparting in this entire book. So let me read to you first from chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Does not wisdom call, and understanding lift up her voice? On top of the heights, beside the way, where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Besides the gates at the opening to the city, at the entrance of the doors, she cries out, To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. This is wisdom's second personal appeal, having made her first one in chapter 1. She calls out for an audience at all the places where she's most likely to find an audience. She calls from the heights. She calls by the road. She calls at the crossroads. She calls at the city entrance. She is like a merchant who is hawking her wares. But the point is this, that wisdom is for ordinary people. It's not confined to an academic classroom or to sacred precincts of a temple, nor is it high atop some mountain where only the hardiest and most determined of people will find her. On the contrary, wisdom wants to attract all and be accessible to all. Contrast that with the adulteress or harlot who called out in chapter 7. There she called in secret. She called in darkness, whereas wisdom calls out for all in the most public of places. That is, it is plain to see and never needs to be hidden. It is available to all people. 
So it's important for us to understand that Solomon wants us to know that there's a giant fight for the hearts and minds of people. And so again, I call you back to remembering that tug-of-war game you played as a child. The goal was to drag the other side to your side. So we here we have a tug-of-war, if you will, between the harlot adulteress of chapter 7, the woman of foolishness, and the virtuous woman called wisdom in chapter 8. So here in chapter 8, wisdom makes her case why hers is a better way. So we're going to move now to chapter 8, verses 5 through 11. O naive ones, understand prudence, and O fools, understand wisdom. Listen, for I speak noble things, and the opening of my lips will reveal right things. For my mouth will utter truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the utterances of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing crooked or perverted in them. They are all straightforward to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choicest gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all desirable things cannot compare to her. So the purpose of wisdom, as she calls out, is to help men live better lives, more in line with God's purposes. The opening of wisdom's lips will reveal right things. There will be truth, what is spoken in righteousness. In verse 5, she calls to the naive. The naive can be translated as simple and refers to those who are untaught or unsophisticated. She refers to fools, and that means those who turn their backs on wise teaching through insolence or just their love of pleasure. In verse 10, we are counseled to seek for wisdom's instruction and knowledge above silver and gold. The ungodly man, the unrighteous man, will naturally seek for silver, gold, and jewels, things that will delight himself and give him confidence in himself. But wisdom describes herself as greater than all the world's riches and all that the world has to honor. We move on now to to verses 12 through 16. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. Power is mine. By me, kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who judge rightly. The prudence referred to in verse 12 is, means good sense, and it indicates a sensible behavior. Discretion, used also in that verse, refers to careful behavior that arises from clear thinking. Wisdom teaches us how to live a discreet and careful life as opposed to a reckless one. In verse 13, we are again reminded that the fear of the Lord leads us to hate evil. Wisdom dwells with prudence and discretion but it will not abide with evil. And wisdom particularly singles out pride as being evil. It leads men to sense wrongly that they do not need the Lord. And not needing the Lord is the wrong approach and is foolish and has no wisdom. So let me ask you to consider something. Do you hate that which is evil? Not that which comes from people with differing political views or different viewpoints about other things, but that which is truly evil, regardless of where it is committed. Do you and I hate that? The righteous person, the one who dwells with wisdom, will hate evil. 
The prudence of wisdom implies three things. First, that evil behavior, pride, and cunning speech are all to be rejected. Those who practice such imprudent behavior, however intelligent they may be, are fools in the fullest sense that they are without wisdom. Secondly, wisdom gives direction to life and strength to meet the challenges of verse 14. Decisions made apart from prudence and discretion are bound to eventually fail. And thirdly, wisdom is essential to the all-important arena of government. Rulers may not possess wisdom, but they should. And this reminds us that we need to pray often for all of our leaders, from our pastor to our national, state, and local leaders, as well as to other uh, important decision makers. Pray for the wisdom, whether or not they know the Lord. Pray that they might seek the Lord's guidance and wisdom and walk in that. Now I want to move to verses 17 through 21. I love those who love me, and those who diligently seek me will find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even pure gold, and my yield better than choicest silver. I walk in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice to endow those who love me with wealth that I may fill their treasuries. Some great truths right here. Wisdom offers a way to prosperity, but not by seeking prosperity or trying to manipulate it. It says in verse 20, notice that, notice that wisdom endows those who love her with wealth. That is to say, we don't earn it. It is given to us because that's the nature of wisdom. That's God's nature. That's Christ's nature to bless us. God's blessings are never earned, but they're rather free gifts from him who brings honor and bring honor to him alone. Recall Jesus' words in Matthew 6, verses 19 and 20 in the Sermon on the Mount. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. So there are treasures for those who seek wisdom and walk in wisdom, but not because we seek the treasures, but rather because we seek wisdom. And it will naturally lead to rewards in God's own timing and choosing. Now, I'm going to look at the largest section here this morning, uh, verses 22 through 31, and I'll be reading those. The Lord possessed me at the beginning in His way. Let me pause. That's talking about wisdom. The Lord possessed wisdom at the beginning of His way. I'm going to re continue reading. Before His works of old, from everlasting I was established. From the beginning, from the earliest times of the earth, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there was no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While he has yet, uh, not yet made earth and the fields, nor the first dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he inscribed the circle on the face of the deep, when he made, the, uh, made firm the skies above, when the springs of the deep became fixed, when he set for the sea its boundary, so that the water would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the world his earth, and having my delight in the sons of men. This passage says that wisdom has been around since before the beginning of time. Wisdom was there at creation, and he talks about the first when there was light and there was no form, and God uh, created the earth, and God separated the seas 
uh, from the land and when he divided them up and he created the heavens and he talks about him. He said, each thing that God created, he created and I was there with him and God took great pleasure and said that it was good. Wisdom has always been there because the source of wisdom is with God who has always been and was here long before man. So has that wisdom been here. Solomon reminds us that wisdom was present at the creation of earth and man, and all that God did was good. And so this is another argument that wisdom gives to the sons of men, that they might understand that this source of wisdom is God. It has always been there, and it never changes. Now, as we look at the last few verses of chapter 8, it really moves into a form of Hebrew poetry again. We're going to read an admonition in 32, followed by a blessing followed by another admonition in 33, followed by another blessing in 34. And then 35 and 36 are going to offer two contrasts, which again is very typical of Hebrew poetry. And it's finding the meaning of life and then missing the meaning of life. Uh, and then death contrasted with that. So uh, let me read those, those verses for us, beginning with verse 32. Now therefore, O sons, listen to me, for the blessed are they who keep my ways. Heed instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at my doorpost. For he who finds me finds life, and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me injures himself, for all those who hate me love death. And so again, the contrast in the last verses between life and death, and wisdom says, those who follow me seek for life. And those who follow foolishness, those who follow the harlot, those who follow the adulteress, those who do not seek for the ways of the Lord, their way will be a way unto death. And so Scripture is very plain here that it's, it's really important how we choose and what we choose to follow. So I'm going to ask you this. What are the dangers you see of God's wisdom, but of us seeing God's wisdom and then failing uh, to act on it? Uh, could that lead to problems and to troubles in life? And I'm here to tell you, Scripture says, absolutely, if we do not follow what God teaches us, uh, there's heartache to come after that. Moving into chapter 9, we want to just look at a few verses here. Look at verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out of her seven pillars. So the picture here is that wisdom has, has built a house, and then he's going to move to verse 13 and 14, where folly, or the adulteress, has built her house. So verses 13 and 14, the woman of folly is boisterous. She is naive and knows nothing. She sits at the doorway of her house on a seat by the high places of the city, calling to those who pass by who are making their paths straight. So again, he contrasts wisdom and folly or naivety or foolishness. And he says here that wisdom in her house prepares everything that's needed, the food, the drink, all things to enjoy life. And the naive and the foolish are called to eat at her table. Likewise, the woman of folly calls the naive and the foolish, but they don't realize that everybody who goes in her house ends up in death and dies and is in Sheol, which is the Hebrew word for the place of death. Following folly or foolishness and rejecting wisdom leads to spiritual death. And so that's the picture through chapter 9. So what happens here is that uh, five weeks ago I told you that Proverbs 1-7 was the key verse in the whole book of Proverbs. And today we see that Proverbs theme again repeated in chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
whatever else can be implied, please understand that apart from a relationship with God, there is no real or true wisdom. That fear the Lord means to come into relationship, recognize who He is and who we are and our incredible need of a Savior. And apart from that, Scripture says, that's how wisdom begins. So apart from that, there's no beginning to walk wisely. We can make great choices. We can make good choices. We can make smart choices. But true wisdom only comes from following and being obedient to God's ways and God's uh, word. People apart from the Lord can make great decisions, but true wisdom comes only out of that relationship with God. Now, we don't have time this morning to read through all the rest of the chapter, but let me encourage you to do so as it sets up the contrast. And uh, I encourage you to do that as we close our audio this morning. So, Uh, I thank you for being here today. I'm excited to see what God is going to show you in these remaining weeks as we begin to look now at over 800 individual Proverbs in these next 22 chapters of Proverbs. It will go quickly, uh, but the ancient collection of God's wisest and choice advice is so important for us. So in preparation for next week, I'm going to encourage you this week to read chapters 10 through 14. It's a large section, a lot of verses, but it is so rich. And as you go there, look for the one that speaks the most to you. Circle it, mark it, uh, put a little check beside it, and uh, see what God may show you about that as you read this week. Now, here's the challenge we began uh, many weeks ago when we started in Proverbs. Each day, read at least a chapter of Proverbs. The easiest way to do that is to read the chapter that corresponds to the day. So today, Sunday, is July the 12th. So today is a great day to read Proverbs 12. Tomorrow, Monday the 13th, read chapter 13. And keep reading that all the way through the month of August. And as you read these three months, we read in Proverbs, read through Proverbs three times. God will really encourage you with His Word and remind you of some great things. So I thank you for being with us this morning and encourage you again to spend time with God's Word that He might speak, lead, and grow us together. So I'm going to invite you to join me in prayer as we close. Lord, thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. And thank you, Father, and ask you to deliver us from thinking that we've got it all figured out because we don't. We need your word. We need it constantly. Help us remember that we need your instruction. Help us to choose life and wisdom, which you've offered to us. We do pray for our leaders. We pray for Pastor Keith. We pray for our local leaders, for our state leaders, for our national leaders, for denominational leaders, for our medical leaders, Father, for those who lead in hospitals and schools and all places, Father, of first responders. We pray for them that you would grant them wisdom, lead them to make wise choices and bless the ministries that they have, Father. We thank you for the life of Christ who, because he lives in us, uh, gives us a hunger to know your word, gives us the desire to walk in wisdom, Father. And then showing us your truth, Father, by your Spirit, you enable us to walk in it. Because some of these truths are difficult, not to understand, but to do. So thank you for your Spirit by which you grant us the ability to be obedient. And Father, we commit to you the coming days. Thank you for this day of life you've given us. And we ask these things together in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen.